Welcome to the Calvary Cast, a podcast from Calvary Bible Church in Grand Junction, Colorado. At Calvary, we exist for the glory of God, the good of His people, and the Great Commission. Hello, 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 listeners of the Calvary Cast. Well, I was going to say greetings and salutations, but I forgot. I said hello, hello, hello. We are here on a sleepy afternoon, Wednesday afternoon. Jess is about to fall asleep. It is a mid-afternoon lull. Mid-afternoon lull. We had a lunch meeting with somebody. I ate lunch. And, and now I'm ready for a nap. Now I'm ready for a nap. But we can't nap. We have to talk about the Bible, which is a good thing. <laughs> that should wake us up. That's right. So we will awaken ourselves. I don't have anything witty to talk about or anything like that. And I know you don't because it's 2.30 in the afternoon. So It's 2.30 in the afternoon. I'm in a lull. In I'm a thinking lull. a little bit about how I'm going to spend my COVID relief uh, stimulus checks. But other than that... <laughs> Oh, I thought about, well, never mind. We're not even going to, let's not go down that path. No, we won't go down that path. So last week we talked about John 3 and the new birth. And we decided on that podcast live that we would have this podcast on 1 John because it's written by John as well. Right, right. Talking about the results of the new birth. Yeah, so within this letter, there are a lot of, uh, he makes mention of uh, some things that should be evident in a person who's experienced the John 3 new birth. Mm. So that's important to look at. Now, uh, just to, some people view First John not as a, uh, speaking about salvation or not, some people view it as fellowship. You heard that? Um, Interpreting it that way. Right. In other words, he's not talking about he's not talking about whether you're saved or not. Right. More like, um, are you whether you're walking in fellowship? Right. Yeah. What do you think about that? I think they're wrong. They are wrong. Yes, because he's talking about being born of God right. in a number of these passages that we'll look at. Mm-hmm. That is uh, obviously what Jesus was talking about. And people who aren't born of God are not going to see or enter the kingdom of heaven. Yep. As Jesus said, this is these are issues that deal with salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, he is trying to help true believers, largely what he's doing here in his letter is help true believers have assurance Mm -hmm. that they have experienced the new birth. And we know that because he says in, right in the, uh, right at the end, he says, uh, in chapter five in verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And that really corresponds actually with what he says in John twenty thirty one. I've written these things that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in his name. Right, yeah. So the same uh, purpose really in both books. And that's what I thought too as I was reading through First John and just thinking about some of the things we want to discuss today. It is the letter of assurance in mm-hmm. many ways. Yes. Uh, that if you are uh, believing in Jesus... You should be assured, right? Uh, and it's very to me. It's very clear in many ways what he's trying. You know, he's he's clearly saying this is what the life of a Christian should look like in many mm-hmm. ways, and you mm-hmm. should be assured by these things. And if you're not a Christian, mm-hmm. it's very evident as well. Yeah, and you remember, if we were to keep this in the context of that first century, everybody was trying to figure these things out, mm. and especially the Jews uh, were trying to figure out. Um, who's who's getting into the kingdom and who's not, and so um, even when you when you see in 
in the Gospel of John, most well-known verse in the Bible is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Well, we always use that verse in the context of evangelism. So mm. we're sharing with the loss about God's love for the world and giving a son. And certainly that's absolutely true. But I think in John's mind, as he's writing those things, it was to give assurance to the people who were believing. It's mm. more identifying who it is that has eternal life, who it is that's getting the kingdom. And it's those who have embraced the person and work of Jesus. Their trust is in him they are the ones that are going to have eternal life. Mm. So John's, you know, writing largely to people and they're they're all trying to figure these things out. And then already you had false teaching, you had misdirected teaching going on um, that all the apostles are dealing with. And so a lot of the, the New Testament is just written to um, help believers gain confidence and salvation. Mm. And so I think that's largely what John is doing here in First yeah. John. So I, you know, I just kind of went through that. I've done this before um, for Sunday school and other things that I've taught, but I, I went through the again this morning just for a little bit as we I knew we were going to be talking about this. Went through First John, and it seems that really there are three main main things that would be results of the new birth, okay. okay, that a person's really been born of God. And these three things are obedience to God okay, or practicing righteousness. I'm lumping those in two, and we'll look at the verses in a minute. So there's this pursuit of righteousness through obedient, oh, through obeying God okay. in his commandments. And then the other one is love for his people. Okay. And really those two break up into what really the law was designed to do, which is we were, we are to be loving God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And our love for God is expressed through obedience, right? But then you have love for other people. Love your neighbor as yourself. And in the church there is this. John refers to it as the new commandment, which he says is really not the new commandment, but it's, it's new in the sense of its emphasis now, mm. is that we love the brothers. We yeah. love the church. Okay, so that's the second one. And then the third one is perseverance. Mm. So those who are born of God stay born of God. Those who have received eternal life uh, keep keep that keep, eternal life, yeah. and and they persevere to the end okay. because it's ultimately God's work in them yeah. from beginning to end. So should we, we'll just, just talk about at, those. Let's start with the first okay. one. So we think about obedience uh, and uh, practicing of righteousness. So key verse would be chapter 2, verse 3. He says, And by this we know that we have come to know him. So here we're talking about evidence, right? Right. This is how we know. If we keep his commandments. Hmm. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. So we think about knowing him in truth in a saving way, and the truth being in a person. Um, that speaks more to just walking in fellowship. I think these are salvific terms, yeah. okay, or ways of describing salvation. Um, but whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. And by this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Okay, So there's that issue of obedience there. And then perhaps it's even more clear in chapter 3 and verse 9. 
he says, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Okay, I don't think he could be any more clear about no. what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. No one who's born of God makes a practice of sinning for God's seed abides in him. And, um, you know, that's the idea of being born again, ultimately into the family of God through the spirit of God. His seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning. Why? Because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Who doesn't? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. And then we'll talk about this one in a minute. Nor is the one who does not love his brother. So this idea of being born again, it's evident in the person's um, uh, obedience to God. And when he talks about, of course, make a, makes a practice of sinning, some Christians really get afraid with this verse because they're like, oh, well, I still I battle still sin. sin. Yep. And, and many Christians, even uh, all of us, have besetting sins that seem to get us more often than others. And sometimes we battle those for years and years in our life. They ch- just keep rearing their ugly mm-hmm. head. And so a true believer gets freaked out and says, wait a minute, I, I'm practicing sin here and and um, and therefore I'm in trouble. Well, a couple of things I would say to that. The idea of practicing sin mm-hmm. means this is just your life. Right. So... Um, Could you, like, a doctor practices medicine, it's their life? Is that a good analogy? Yeah, I, I think so. They <laughs> practice medicine. This is what they do right, for habitually yeah. all the time, yeah. every day. This is how they live. Yeah. You know, they're practicing medicine. And uh, it's another euphemism for this would be walking. John uses it, walking in darkness. Like, in other words, I'm just walking through my life in darkness or in disobedience or in unrighteousness. And just that's how you would characterize my life. And I think um, when we view it that way, it it can be very helpful um, in distinguishing it. The second thing is very clearly, John says in the beginning of this letter, he makes it very clear um, that one of the marks of a true believer ultimately is that we are confessing our sins, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and if we say, verse 8 of chapter 1, we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. And that's not you know what he's saying then in in chapter two verse one, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. I don't want you to sin. You're not supposed to be sinning. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Right. So he's clearly not not uh, implying that there's no sin ever in the life of a Christian. Right. Right. And he's not implying that there will ever be a point, probably, right. that we are not probably. <laughs> there will never be a point where we are going to be sinlessly perfect. Hmm. in this life. As a matter of fact, he even talks about the fact that we will that's we won't be sinlessly perfect until we see Jesus at his return hmm. and then we will be like him. Okay? And then he goes on to say, well, anyone who has this hope purifies himself yeah. now as he is pure, but that there's this constant purifying of ourselves where we're getting rid of the sin in our lives and practicing righteousness and pursuing righteousness. All right? Um some people look at, like, say, chapter 2, verse 3, and the idea of keeping his commandments. What is, and some people will say, well, well, how many commandments do you have to keep? Or maybe try and, and figure it that way. 
what is the heart disposition of a person that knows Jesus in relation to the keeping of his commandments? Does that question make any sense? Yeah, the heart disposition of someone, and I'm glad you brought this up because I, I might have forgotten this, but I think we should just look for a second at Ezekiel 36 oh, right. again. Remember oh, that yep, passage yep. we looked at last week? And that's what Jesus was really referring to that Nicodemus should have understood in Ezekiel 36 where it describes what this new birth would be, um, you know, hundreds of years before ultimately, and I'm not saying that the Old Testament Christians didn't experience some kind of regeneration, but right. there was clearly something new coming. Different, yes. That was going to be new after the work of Christ and when the Spirit was poured out. Yes. All right, so um, he says, I, uh, verse 26 of Ezekiel 36, I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Mm. In other words, you're going to have a heart. Your heart of stone prior to salvation is that God's commandments are burdensome or you don't like them and you want to live in sin and you know, you're in defiance of God. But God comes in, gives you that heart transplant, Okay, and your heart now is tender towards God and His Word, and not only that, He writes His laws on your heart, so that our disposition towards obeying God is coming from the heart. Yeah. It's not this external thing we see what we got to do and we just grit our teeth and do it. Mm-hmm. It's it's coming from our heart, and the Spirit is empowering us to obey the commands of God. So, for uh, a believer, they hear the commands of God. And they go, There's there could be an element where it's like, that is difficult, that's hard to obey in a sense, but yet there is a recognition of the need to obey because of their calling as Christians. There is some desire to obey, um, even in a, in, a, in a small bit, I guess you could use it that way. And then they seek to do that, and they're going to fail and falter, but there should be some encouragement there. Yeah, that there that there's like evidence of life. There's a desire to do what's right, even if it's faltering and failing. Yeah, largely there's this conflict now that begins that is actually evidence of salvation. Yes, and you read about this in, in Romans seven. Paul talks about mm-hmm. you know I I want to do right, can't figure it out. Mm-hmm. I have the flesh. He identifies it as a sin within him, but his new heart wants mm-hmm. to do what's right. Uh, he also alludes to it in the in the uh, walking by the spirit and not the flesh, Galatians, mm-hmm. right? Galatians five, and uh, the spirit there is keeping us from doing the things we would want to do, whether that would be sinful or right. I don't know what he meant by that, but there's that conflict that's going on between the spirit and in the flesh. So I think as I re- as I remember back to when I was first truly born again, um. The sins that I was living in and practicing prior to that, they were still there. There were temptations of those, I guess, to a degree. There was, I I would try it within like the first few months. I can remember this couple months, uh, this weird time of like something had happened in me, mm. and yet I tried a couple times to still live <laughs> the same way I did, yeah. and it was. I didn't want it. It was uncomfortable. I just didn't like this anymore. It didn't give me the same pleasure as it did before. Mm. So that something had happened to me to where there was now delight in, I wanted to more obey Mm. God. And when I did, I found like, I I enjoy this more. Mm. And I think even as Christians, we're walking through our lives now, we experience that all the time. You have a desire to sin. You believe the lie. You give into the sin. But afterwards, you're like that. 
is I feel icky. I feel icky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for lack of a y- yeah. icky, yucky. Yeah, you know whatever. It's like I don't want that. Yep. I truly want you, God. Yeah. And when I'm obeying your commands, is when I find my most satisfaction and, and delight. And when I'm in rebellion against your commands, I'm not. I think that's evidence of what John's yeah. talking about. Those who have been born of God cannot keep on sinning because mm. God's seed is in them. It isn't as though they don't have the potential to sin. Yeah. It's that if they were to continue to try to live in it, it would drive them mm. crazy. They would be miserable yeah. because God's seed is in them. Yeah. And they have that new heart and the spirit's being grieved. So. I think I think that's what he means by I think, that. Yeah, I think so too. On the other side, isn't there a warning then to those that would profess Christ but don't have that desire to keep his commandments that do seem to be practicing sin with no consciousness of it? You know, like right. their hearts aren't pricked by it. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, and in that case he's going, you can't have this assurance, <laughs> you no. know. And uh, so Yeah, I think there's a warning to them. I think that is really a problem yeah because especially when you get these people that are professing christians live practicing sin Mm -hmm. so like they're living in a lifestyle that is clearly against god's word Mm -hmm. okay and they're defiantly so in -hmm. other words they're confronted about it and their attitude is um you know god's gracious and he's love and i can do what i want and That's it's not, not you're, bothering you're being them. judgmental. That's not the God of the Bible. Right. And I think those are the people who have not been born of God. Yeah. Those are the people John's talking about that are they're liars. Mm. The truth is not in them. Mm. They're walking in darkness. They're children of the devil. And whether or not they've truly convinced themselves that they're children of God or not, and others have tried to convince them of this or, or you know, how, mm-hmm. however, whatever bad teaching they've received, these are people that are not born of God. That's clear in Scripture. And this is why Paul says, both in Galatians 5 and 1 Corinthians, is it 6, where he says, and even maybe he says it in Ephesians 5 too, but he talks about the idea that let no one deceive you. Yes. Whoever practices these kinds of sins, just like John is Mm -hmm. saying, because all the apostles were agreed on this, who's ever practicing these kinds of sins, you will not enter the kingdom of yep. heaven, or you have no inheritance in the kingdom yep. of heaven. So people might try to deceive you, you might have deceived yourself, but you are not born again, mm-hmm. and therefore, just as Jesus said, you can't see or enter the God's kingdom. Yeah. So the first thing then that, that John is teaching us, the results of the new birth, we put it that way, is that mm-hmm. there's a there's a desire to obey God's commands, right. and you're not living, you're pr- not practicing sin. Right. And some people will accuse us and saying, well, that is works yep. righteousness and it's not faith alone. Right. But the reality is um, we're not saying those works, that Mm-mm. practicing of righteousness, that forsaking of sin saves you at all. Yeah. We're saying that's the result of God's saving work yes. in you. Which an interesting correlation to this I was just looking at earlier is in Second Peter 1 where Peter lays out all this stuff that God has done, his divine power has granted to us, all things that pertain to life and godliness. And then he goes on to say, for this very reason, make every effort, right? So he's talking there about that obedience, and in no way is he saying that that obedience is salvific, because he's just laid out how that salvation came to you. His divine power granted, now make every effort to obey. Right, (laughs) absolutely. And that's the same thing John is doing. I think so. There are, unfortunately, a lot of Christians that miss that. Yes. And they read things like First John, and they say, well, you know, there's no need to really obey. 
you know, or or to call people to obedience, mm-hmm. uh, or would charge us with with adding works to salvation. Not in any way at all. Right. We're saying that the nature of the new birth is so radical yeah. that it has to result in this kind of living. Otherwise, right. it didn't happen. That's right. And it and from the person because those laws of God have been written on the heart now. They've been given the new heart. The person wants to yes. obey. And yep. there's where you can see the distinction. Yes. If, I, if I'm working with a person that is struggling with sin, even habitual sin, but their heart is, I want to obey. I can't figure out how to do that yet. Hey, I'm all in that. I mean, mm-hmm. I like that. Yes. That's, yep. That to me is a sign of life in them. We can work through learning to obey yep. as we all have to do. I yep. have to do it. You have to. I mean, this isn't any different for them than any other Christian, but it's that that's that fi- that sign of fight in them uh, that that we can work with. That it's hard to work with the person that says God's love. I can do whatever yep. I want because, but I'm still a Christian. Other than showing them, saying, you know, brother, sister, I I don't know your. I can't condemn you that's yeah. not my job to judge you right. eternally but i can tell you what the bible says yep. and it and you are showing evidence of somebody who does not truly know god i love the the line in the song we sing uh come ye souls by sin afflicted there's the refrain that that uh his commandments his commandments then become their happy choice that's it yep I love that too. I, I love that. Every time we sing that, and I think that the heart of a Christian hears that and is like, yes, that's, that's right. mine. That's right. You know, they're not burdensome. They're wonderful yep. things. Wow, we spent a lot of time on that first point. Yeah, well, that's it's probably the, the one he emphasizes yes, the most. The most, and then the second one goes hand in hand with okay. it, right? So that's love for other people who mm. have been born of God. Well, we are going to leave the podcast there for now we will come back next week and finish this conversation up uh, where we look at the other two evidences or results of the new birth uh, we hope this podcast has been beneficial for you if you're a part of our church and even if you're you're not a part uh, we do always love to hear from our listeners so you can always email us at thecalvarycast at gmail.com if you're a part of our church come up and talk to us on a Sunday morning or give us a phone call or a text At Calvary, we exist for the glory of God, the good of his people, and the Great Commission. So until next time.